This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. This morning, I'd like for you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're in a Bible prophecy series. We've been preaching sermons on Bible prophecy now for the past five Sundays, today making Sunday number six. The things that I'm going to share with you this morning, I would strongly encourage you to listen, maybe take notes, unless you can get to these places of Scripture in a quick order and fashion, I would advise you just to go home and read them and then go back and look them up because we're going to talk about some things today that for the most part might have your head spinning. It's not my desire that that happens, but what I'm going to share with you today, some of you may be hearing for the very first time. We're going to begin the journey of this series of messages today on the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 3. The Bible says, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, if you have an ink pen or, or pencil handy, I tell you, you'll find this to be utterly amazing in just a few moments, and I encourage you to write underneath those words, underline or highlight the son of perdition. This is the thing that I want you to understand this morning, that there is coming a day very soon when Jesus Christ is going to come. That's the rapture. And we're going to be talking about some very specific specifics of that in just a moment. And then after that event takes place, there is going to be an introduction to the world and his name is going to be the Antichrist. His personality is going to be the Antichrist. We're preaching this morning on the Antichrist. History is full of names of tyrants who have brutalized people throughout the ages for their own personal gain. To name a few of them and spend just a few seconds on it, we could talk about the reign and the terror of King Ahab. We could talk about the reign and terror of King Herod. We could talk a lot about this morning... Nero and Titus the Roman. We could talk about Adolf Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini. We could talk about Saddam Hussein. History has well recorded and documented the uncomprehendable acts of these men. But friend, there is another man coming in the near future who will make the former brutes of the past seem like members of the 4-H club. 
Now I know, listen carefully, that many pastors shy away from sermons like this. I realize that. In today's economy, most members of the clergy are only interested in trying to make people feel good. They simply want to massage people's egos. Or they simply want to scratch the itch of positive thinking. But in order to do all of that, to have church services that accommodate that type of menu, listen carefully. Most members of the clergy and have already, they will have to stop preaching the whole Bible in order to do that. They will have to stop taking the Bible literally. They will have to now become open-minded and they have to find unnecessary in their preaching to talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we're going to accommodate a world of sermonettes and religious gatherings and just helping people feel good, then we're going to have to stop preaching not only the death, the burial, and the resurrection, but also the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will have to stop preaching about the judgment of sin, and we'll have to stop talking about a literal burning hell and a heaven. I guarantee you that if preachers stop preaching that, then they will never preach what I'm about to preach to you this morning. But I'm not, nor have I ever been engaged in a popularity contest. Truth of the matter is, I could care less who likes me and who doesn't like me. It, it has absolutely no effect on what I'm going to be doing this afternoon or how I sleep tonight. You can love me or like me. You can hate me or dis hate me, or you can have all kinds of feelings, whatever they are, but let me tell you this, makes no difference to me. And because of that, I have concluded this, that as long as there's breath in my body, and as long as there's a sound brainwave in my head, I am going to stand in this pulpit and preach to you Sunday after Sunday, every single jot and tittle. Now, I believe it to be all of my heart, the Word of God. Some of this preaching, no doubt, will soothe you. Some of it will move you. Some of this book is going to cut you like a two-edged sword. But listen, I'm not going to spend time trying to make you feel good and just stand up here with a smile, wave a ball and chain, give you some incense and just hope and pray that you get a little goosebump when you leave here. That's not what I'm going to do this morning. I believe every single ounce of this book from Genesis to Revelation is profitable. And friend, I intend to preach it all. Paul said in Acts 20, verse 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of the Word of God. And one of these days when I get to glory, I want to look back on it all and say, I preached it all. Now, I realize this message will set us up to the edge of our seats, but it should. 
But I also that God has not given us the spirit of fear. You, you might be sitting out there this morning and say, you know, I don't like the preaching of this these Bible prophecy sermons, I mean, you're talking about the rapture and the tribulation and the judgment seat of Christ. Now we're going to talk about the Antichrist and it's just scaring me half to death. Well, I want to emphasize something to you. Fear is not of God. These messages we have to understand and know because it's part of the word of God. But you see, it ought not to scare us. God has not given us the spirit of fear. He has given us the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that not only guides us, not only leads us, not only brings us into the truth, but God's Holy Spirit is the comforter, amen. So I want you to think about that. At the time allowed for this message, I want us to look at the subject very closely today. Immediately following the rapture, there will be an instantaneous disappearance of hundreds of millions of Christians from all over the world. And in the pandemonium of all of those catastrophic events, it will create an instantaneous moment for an energized individual to step forward and lead the world in what appears to be the sense of stability. That man will be the Antichrist. But instead of saving the world, he will be leading the world into the final battle, which will be the battle of Armageddon. Now, in the beginning, immediately after the rapture, he will appear to embrace all peoples of the world. He will not only appear to embrace and to be for all the peoples of the world, but he will, in the beginning, embrace all religions. He will be trying to bring us all together under a one-world religion. He will be trying to make all of the religions of the world, whether they're of occult practices, he will come in, he will try to embrace Judaism, he will try to embrace Hinduism, Mormonism, Calvinism, all the isms and schisms of the world. He's going to try to hook us. He's going to come in, listen, and I want you to understand something. He's even going to come in embracing Christianity. But deep down inside, he has a burning hatred for Christianity. He has a burning hatred for Christians and anyone who worships Jehovah. But when you stop and think about that, friend, that's exactly what's going on in the world today. Everywhere you look, you can find people who hate Christians and who hate Christianity, who hates it with a passion. Don't let this country fool you and deceive you to believe that we all in this country have religious rights. We don't. And I want you to think about that, friend. You can see Christian discrimination everywhere you turn. You can see it in the liberal media. Well, I can't believe that preacher's up there saying that. 
Listen, glory to God, you come to this church, you're going to get this kind of preaching every Sunday. I will tell you this. You can see that in the liberal media. Everywhere you turn, people hate Christianity. You see it in the media. You see it in the ACLU. You see it in the local television stations. You see it with federal judges. You see it with politically correct groups. You see it in most sitcoms on television. You see it in our elected officials. You see it in our local and national governments. And especially you see it with the Muslim and Arab world. I I don't know about you, friend, but I think it's appalling that America, as being founded as a Christian nation, listen, we didn't come to this world praying to sticks and rocks, crying out to the gods of the stars. Listen, America was founded in the pursuit of Christian liberty. We came here seeking God who created the heavens and the earth. We sailed across those waters to get away from tyrants that was forcing a government religion down our throat. We came here and established this country in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. I think it's appalling that America as being founded as a Christian nation, listen, has no problem, no reservation making concessions for Muslim women who must wear veils to work because it's their religious beliefs, but they want to fire Christians who wear a cross around their neck or has a Bible on their desk. Friend, something's wrong in this country today. But it's this hatred, listen, it's not something that just all of a sudden crept into the world in our modern times. The hatred of Christ and Christianity and the worship of Jehovah was actually birthed in the mind and the heart of Satan long before there was the first man and woman walking on this earth. It all started with the devil, but it wasn't always like that. Some of you may not know this, but Lucifer was first created in heaven. Like Adam and Eve were created to be in the garden, Lucifer was first created to be in heaven. You say, I didn't know that. Take your Bibles and turn with me today to the book of Ezekiel chapter 28. And I want us to notice this as we think about it. Lucifer at one time was in heaven. He was first created in eternity to be in the presence of God. Ezekiel chapter 28, notice verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the conbrickle, and the, and the gold. Notice that. The workmanship of thy tabrais and of thy pipes was prepared. In thee the day that thou wast created. You see, the devil was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon, wast, thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked upon 
and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect. Notice that. In thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. The scripture also says that Lucifer was created without sin. He was created perfect, the word said, until verse 15, iniquity entered into his heart. Now, if you're interested, the biblical account of his fall you find in Isaiah chapter 14. You may want to write it down or you may want to listen, but Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12, the Bible says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which disweakened the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now some of you might be wondering right now, Pastor, if this message today is about the Antichrist, then how come we're talking about the devil? Well, what I'm going to show you right now is about as close as I will be able to ever come in showing you who the Antichrist is. I want you to see something very interesting in the Word of God this morning. Turn your Bibles back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where we started the text today. And I want you to see this. You'll have to stay with me now as we press on quickly. All this wire stuff they got on me, I feel like I'm tangled up in fishing line. We got to do something better than this. Now, I want you to see this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let no man deceive you, verse 3, by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin, that's talking about the Antichrist, and that man of sin be revealed. Now underline these words. Notice that the son of perdition. Do you see it? You, you don't want to miss this. This passage is talking about the Antichrist and the Holy Spirit through the apostle Paul calls the Antichrist the son of perdition. Now turn with me to John chapter 12, the gospel of John chapter 12, or excuse me, 17, and we'll notice verse 12. John 17, verse 12. Now notice this, you'll have to go quickly, take notes, I, I'm pressed now. Listen, this is Jesus speaking. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the... Son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now listen, you, you'll have to follow me closely now. The Holy Spirit told the Apostle Paul that the Antichrist was going to be the son of perdition. We just read it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. There had to be a, a falling away first before the son of perdition was going to that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we go to John's gospel chapter 17 and verse number 12 and Jesus is saying this. 
that of all those that God gave him, he was able to keep them except the one that was lost. Who was that? Judas Iscariot. Jesus called Judas the son of perdition. The Holy Spirit called the Antichrist the son of perdition. Jesus Christ called Judas Iscariot the son of perdition. But Jesus also gave Judas another name. I want you to see this in John 6. John chapter 6, notice with me in verse number 70. John 6 verse 70. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. You see that? John 6 verse 70 and 71. He spake of, well preacher, how do you know? He was calling Judas the son of perdition. How do you know he was calling Judas Iscariot the devil? Well, notice verse 71. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him being one of the twelve. Now listen, the son of perdition is none other than the devil in disguise. The Holy Spirit said to Paul, as he wrote the scriptures, that the Antichrist was going to be the son of perdition. Jesus said the son of perdition was Judas Iscariot, other alias known as the devil. Now I want you to notice something very interesting here. Turn with me to Revelation 11. Revelation chapter 11 verse 7. Now listen carefully. I'm going to read it. All those scriptures are with you in the bulletin. You can go home and read them. I must press on now. Listen carefully. Revelation 11 verse 7. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast, notice this, that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Now the Bible says here in Revelation 11 7 that the beast will ascend. You know the difference between descending and ascending. Descending means to come down. Ascending means to come up. Now the word of God is saying that the beast is going to come up out of hell. He's going to ascend out of the bottomless peace. Now how, how did the beast get into the bottomless pit to begin with? This is imperative and I believe in revealing the nature of the personality of the Antichrist. The Bible describes him. Listen, the Bible says that the Antichrist will be the son of perdition. Judas Iscariot is the only person by Jesus himself who has mentioned and called by name in the Bible, Jesus said he was the son of perdition. The Holy Spirit spoke to Paul, said the Antichrist was going to be the son of perdition. Now I want you to see something very interesting in Acts chapter 1 verse 25. In Acts chapter 1 verse number 25, notice it carefully. That he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell. That he might go, look at this to his own place. How did the beast get in the pit to begin with? 
because he's going to come up out of the pit. The Bible says when Judas committed suicide after he betrayed the Lord, the Bible says he went to hell, but it went further than that. The Bible says that Judas went to his own place. Notice those words, his own place. There is not one single other person in the entire Bible where the scriptures say when they went to hell that they went to their own place. Even the rich man when he died, the word says he lifted up his eyes in hell being in torment. The Bible didn't say that the rich man went to his own place. The Bible didn't say that Ahab and Jezebel went to their own place. No, listen, Judas Iscariot is the only individual in the Bible whom the word says that when he died and went to hell, went to his own place. The Bible helps us to understand that hell is the devil's own place because it was created for him. Now I want you to see something in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. You got to go quick and listen. Matthew 25, 41, the Bible says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, hell was not created for you and me. Hell was created, hell was prepared for the devil because it is his own place. Now concerning the Antichrist, notice what John says in Revelation 17, verse number 8. In Revelation chapter 17, verse number 8, again, all of these scriptures are written for you to go back and reference it in your own leisure. Revelation 17, verse 8, the beast that thou sawest, this is very important, extremely important. The beast that thou sawest was, underline the word was, And is not. And shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they beheld the beast, notice this carefully, underline this word, was and is not and yet is. He was, he was not, and he yet is. Now I want you to notice the latter part of that. He was, is not, and notice that, and he will be, or yet is. John is saying this, that the Antichrist used to be here. He was. But then something happened to take him Away from being, you see, he was and then he was not. He was, think with me now, Judas Iscariot was, he was not. He was taken out of the way. When he committed suicide and he died and went to hell, he was not. But then the Bible says, he will be. Now, now notice this. He was taken away. He went to hell. He went to his own place. But John says he's going to reappear. Now, I can't prove this. And I emphasize that. 
But the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit, not me, the Holy Spirit called the Antichrist the son of perdition. Jesus called Judas Iscariot the son of perdition. Now, if listen to this. If Jesus Christ came to this world as God in the form of human flesh, that's called the incarnation of Christ. You see, they were in heaven. And because of the plan of redemption, Jesus Christ came to this world. He was born in Bethlehem's manger. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14 of John chapter 1, the Bible says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So listen, God came to this world clothed in flesh. God came to this world clothed in human flesh. His name was Jesus. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now listen, that's called the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Now I personally believe that if God could come to this world in flesh, then why can we not assume and realize that the devil could not have come to this world in flesh? You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, if he came in the garden in the form of a serpent, it would make a whole lot of sense to me that he could also come in the form of flesh. Amen? Now listen to this. There's no reason why we cannot believe that the devil came in the person of Judas when the fullness of time was ready. I don't know, but it certainly is an interesting thought. Now I want to share with you in 10 minutes nine things about this Antichrist. Number one, he will be the head of the Gentile nations when he comes. Now a lot of people have thought that the Antichrist has to be a Jew. But the Bible says that when he comes, he will be the head of the Gentile nations. Revelation 13, verse number one. John the Revelator says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. You say, well, preacher, how will the Jews accept a Gentile Messiah? That is a good question. But the Bible specifically says that the Antichrist will be the head of Gentile nations. Now, it's a good possibility. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 21, and I want to show you how this might be. I'm not uh, going to tell you that it's absolute, but I want you to see that there is a similar possibility of how this must be or might be. And I, Because you see, the Apostle Paul, listen carefully to me, had two citizenships. He was a Jew and he was a Roman. In Acts chapter 21, Paul said this, verse 39. But Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Sicily, a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. Then notice Acts 22, verse 25. 
And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman, uncondemned? I'm telling you that the apostle Paul had two citizenships. He was a Jew, and then he says, I'm a Roman. So it's very well possible that if the Antichrist is going to be the head of Gentile nations, it's very possible it happened before that a person could have two citizenships. Now, secondly, the Antichrist will appear with cult-like abilities. Daniel chapter 11, verse number 21. Daniel chapter 11, verse number 21, the Bible says, And in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. And that's how... Listen, that's how people join cults today, by, by flattery. When you study people like Charles Manson, who, who did some of the most unthinkable things, a, a little scrawny guy who carved a swat sticker in his forehead and just by his orders was commanding people to run around Hollywood, California, brutalizing, killing, murdering people. How does, how does one little scrawny individual have the power to do that? Listen, the same way David Koresh in Waco, Texas was able to captivate the hearts and minds of people he had pinned up in that house and was, was brutally treated. And then as you know, the history of that, where the place burned to the ground, those people wouldn't come out. The same way Jim Jones was able to take a church from the United States of America and bury them in the heart of a jungle. You see, the flatteries of men's mouth can do all kinds of things. And that's what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to come in by flatteries, peaceably, with cult-like practices. Number three, he will come in at first as a political leader. Revelation 17, notice verse 15 with me. Revelation 17, verse number 15. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. The waters in that verse is a picture of the sea of humanity. And so he will come in as a political leader, the head of the Gentile nations. Number four, he will have worldwide influences. Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Number 5. In his rise to power, listen carefully, when the Antichrist rises to power, which basically is after the, the first three and a half years, he is going to have to conquer three nations before he sets himself up as God. Revelation chapter 7, or excuse me, Daniel uh, chapter 7. I, I want you to notice verse number 8. Daniel chapter 7 and verse number 8. We'll look at two verses in this chapter, verse 8 and verse 24. Daniel 7, 8, and then verse 24. Notice the scripture. I considered the horns... And behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there was 
three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. Notice verse 24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise and another shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. Number six. Keep your Bibles in Daniel. He will make a seven-year covenant with Israel and break it after the first three and a half years. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consumption. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. The consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now notice number seven. He will authorize the execution of the two witnesses that Jehovah God will send in the tribulation. Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11 verse number seven. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which, is, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Number eight, he will move from being a peacemaker to being God. Revelation 13. Notice verse 8. And 11. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, and the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. In verse 11, and behold, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth and had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And number 9, in Revelation 13 as well, verse 16, he will force every human being to receive a mark in their forehead or in their arms, their hands. Just last week, I got a letter from my sister whose daughter has now joined the Marines. And she said to me, I want you to know that the Marines are considering now to doing away with dog tags. They want to put a chip in my daughter's head or either her hand of the serial number that represents her dog tags. They want to do that now. He will force every human being to receive the mark of identification. Chapter 13, verse 16, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now listen, if the military is going to do this, then why aren't they going to put chips in the thumb or your butt or your big toe? Why do they got to do it like this? Their foreheads or their... I'm telling you, it is a forerunner of the mark of the beast. Herein is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beasts, for it is the number of man, and his number is six hundred, three score and six. Now I want you to look at one final scripture for the day. 
Go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 4. And I want you to see this as we come to a conclusion. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I want you to notice verse number 4, the Antichrist, when he sets himself up as God and he puts the number, his mark, into the world's system where you will not be able, if you're left behind and you're not raptured out of this world before the tribulation begins, you're going to have to go through the seven years of tribulation. If you do not take the mark of the beast, you cannot exist. The Bible says you cannot buy, sell, or trade. You will, you will starve. You will be non-existent and beheaded if you do take the mark of, or if you don't take the mark of the beast, you will be beheaded in the, in the tribulation. Awful persecution coming up. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, whoso opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Friend, listen carefully. There is a huge difference between Jesus Christ and the Antichrist. Jesus came down from heaven. The Antichrist will come out of hell. Jesus came in the Father's name. The Antichrist will come in his own name. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. The Antichrist will exalt himself above all that is called God. Jesus was despised and rejected of men. The Antichrist will be admired and worshiped Jesus came to this world to do his Father's will. The Antichrist will come to do his own will. Jesus came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. The Antichrist comes to seek and destroy those who live. Jesus came as the truth. The Antichrist will come as a lie. Jesus came as the Holy One. The Antichrist will come as the lawless one. Jesus came as the sinless one. The Antichrist will come as the son of perdition. Jesus will be lifted up on a throne. The Antichrist will be brought down to hell. Friend, I ask you today, where are you headed in all of this? Are you headed to the rapture? Or are you headed for the tribulation? Thank God not one Christian will be left to go through an ounce of the tribulation if they know Jesus as their personal Savior. Jesus himself will return to the Mount of Olives and bring judgment with him. And I tell you, friend, we should not be looking for the Antichrist. We should be looking for Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. The word says, looking for the blessed hope. I will tell you this. I don't have time this morning to ask you to read Revelation chapter 16. I don't have time to read it for you. I don't have time for you to go and read it. But I would encourage you to do something today while this is still fresh on your mind. At some point today, go, go home and read Revelation 16. Because those horrific events that are going to take place in chapter 16 are actually going to take place on this earth under the rule and the reign of the Antichrist. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.